never too late to learn something. Amen. Acts chapter 4 in your Bibles. We'll, I'm watching the clock very much so, so that uh, with our business meeting, we're not out too late. Uh, but I'm very, very much looking forward to the Bible study tonight. In Acts chapter 3, uh, we studied that wonderful mir- miracle, the healing of the lame man. A man, uh, the Bible says, who was above 40 years of age, lame from his mother's uh, womb. Uh, every day laid at, a, at the gate of the temple, and there he begged uh, just, just to make a little bit of a living. A man who'd lived his entire life, now an adult, no hope, no hope of a family, no hope of just what we would call a normal life, until Peter and John came walking through, and uh, uh, they said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And of course he did, walking, leaping, praising God. Uh, We made some observations about this man who got healed. After he got healed, he didn't just go running off into the sunset talking about his good fortune and meeting these two guys. Uh, The Bible says uh, that he came back as the crowd began to assemble and he held on to Peter and John. He stayed with them. And as we saw last week, uh, when the chief priests and the scribes and the Sadducees uh, saw this multitude and saw Peter and John out there preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, they were upset about that, but it was eventide. They'd been at it uh, since uh, the third or the ninth hour of the day, about three in the afternoon. Now it's eventide. That means it's six or seven in the evening. Uh, hours have gone by. 5,000 men have believed the gospel uh, that was preached, but the powers that be were not happy, so they threw Peter and John in prison. And the next day they had uh, the trial before that Jewish Sanhedrin, those 72 leaders uh, of the Jewish people and uh, uh, so forth. And uh, we noticed that the man who was healed was standing with them. He was there on the day when it was popular to be seen with them because a great notable miracle had been done. He was there the next day even though it was no longer popular. Uh, There was something about that man's faith that was very, very real. And in all all 50 years of my Christian life and the many times I've read through the books of of Acts, it's the first time I noticed uh, that man, how he was steadfast from the beginning. That's why I like reading and studying the Bible. There's always something to learn. There's always something to learn in that. Of course, the Sanhedrin couldn't deny the miracle, but they weren't about to admit that the disciples were right. So they decided, let's threaten them and uh, tell them never to do this again. And the disciples gave the wonderful response in verse 19 of chapter 4, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Uh, They were not promoting lawlessness, but they were uh, laying out the principle Uh, That as believers, of course, we are to obey the higher powers. We're to obey the laws of the land unless those laws run contrary to the laws of God. And uh, so they were resolute in the fact that they were going to continue on. In verse 23, uh, and being let go, Peter and John, being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they had heard that, they all got on Facebook and began to put pictures of Caiaphas, Annas, and the rest of them there. Oh, I'm sorry. That's what we do. When they heard that, 
they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. This is one of the most remarkable prayers in the Bible. In this prayer, a prayer that God uh, clearly answered in verse 31, uh, we learn so much about the, the first believers and their faith and, uh, and how they practice that faith. As we look at this prayer, before we do so, I want you to notice some things that are not part of their prayer. There is no whining in that prayer about how unfair everything is. It's not there. You can look through it uh, forwards, backwards, inside out, and you won't find these people complaining, Lord, it's not fair, these are wicked people, and, and, and you won't find, uh, Lord, we were doing right, and now we're suffering, and this just is you're not going to find it. It's just not there. Uh, time is a little shorter, but uh, let's go back to 1 Kings, if you would. 1 Kings. And chapter number 19. 1 Kings 19. In the previous chapter, Elijah, that great prophet, that great man of God, had been on Mount Carmel against uh, all of the prophets and priests of Baal, 800 in total. And he challenged them that uh, uh, the, the one who calls down fire from heaven, uh, whoever, whatever God answers by fire, let him be God. And of course, Baal did not answer because he is not real. Uh, but uh, Jehovah did. Uh, Elijah prayed a prayer of 63 words. God sent fire from heaven. The people shouted the Lord, he is the God. And it seemed like a great day. Verse 1 of chapter 19, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also. If I make not, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. She put a contract out on his life. She wants to kill him. When he saw that he arose, went for his life. Came to Beersheba which belongeth to Judah and left his servant there. Isn't it kind of odd that the man that saw fire fall from heaven the day before is running for his life. Um, it, it's almost like something has shaken Elijah. By the way, I'm not, I'm not making fun of Elijah. I'm not criticizing Elijah. Uh, Elijah. Uh, I, I don't hold a candle uh, to that man's uh, stature and faith, and I, and I understand that completely. But Elijah was a man of like passions like we are, James tells us. And uh, here's a man that uh, for some reason... Jezebel's threat affected him badly. Uh, he went himself a day's journey into the wilderness. 
came and sat down under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life for I am not better than my father's. And here's the great prophet who called down fire, whining, complaining, Lord, this is not fair. Let's not make fun of him. We've all been there. We've all been in that low place uh, and so forth. Um, but, but what you don't see in Elijah's prayer, and he'll pray a very similar prayer later on in this chapter, what you don't see is faith. What you don't see is confidence in the power of his God. The same faith that was there in chapter 18 is for some reason just not there. Um, back in Acts chapter 4, you don't see any of that spirit of this is not fair. They shouldn't be treating us like this. There's something else you do not see. There is zero desire for revenge. You don't see any desire. Lord, Lord, just rip their faces off. God, just deal with them. God, strike them down. God, they need to be... There is none of that. There is zero of that in there. That was very much absent in the New Testament church in a, in a couple of weeks. Of course, at the rate of my, I'm going in a couple of months, uh, we'll be in Acts chapter 7, and we'll see Stephen being stoned to death and his final words as he is dying at their hand is, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. That, that, that desire for vengeance that seems so prevalent uh, in our modern culture, in modern Christianity, was absent. But look at what they do pray. Verse 24, when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God. I like this, with one accord. With one accord. Uh, they're all there, and they're all praying with the same spirit and the same heart. Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. This is a very Jewish thing for them to do. One time we, we did a little bit of a study on the importance of creation, and we spent, I think, an entire Wednesday night, and we went through the Old Testament. We covered every single time that, the, that uh, the Old Testament scriptures referred back to the fact that God made the heavens and the earth. It numbers up in dozens and dozens and dozens of times. We're going to look at one, Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 33. Jeremiah 33. Off the top of your head, does anybody know the most famous verse in Jeremiah 33? Exactly. Verse 3, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Jeremiah is in prison and uh, notice verse 1, moreover the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time while he was yet shut up in the court of the prison. Saying, and this is the first thing that God says to Jeremiah who is in a position of suffering. Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Before he offers that marvelous prayer promise to Jeremiah and everything that followed uh, in the rest of this chapter, God started out be, by reminding Jeremiah, I am the creator. Everything that you see, I made it. I formed it. I am God. There's nobody like me. I am the Lord. I am your creator. And over and over again in the Old Testament, that one event keeps getting referred to because God is reminding his people uh, he is the creator, 
He is the owner. He has such an incredible power. And we need to stand in awe of that God. The power of a God who made all of this. If you've ever traveled to the ocean, traveled to the desert, traveled to the Rocky Mountains, uh, just walked out into the woods and just taken some time to look around at the, the splendor of God's creation, you know that this didn't evolve from anything. That Almighty God made this. The Bible says, uh, by Him all things are created. By Him all things consist. He holds it all together. And when the people are praying, go back to Acts chapter 4, they go back to that very Jewish practice of, of uh, being reminded, we're talking to the Creator. This is all about faith. This is all about our trust is in the power of Almighty God, period. But they're not only looking at the power of God as the creator, they're looking at the power of God as the controller of everything. Did you know God's in control? Um, who They, they, they uh, go on in their prayer now, verse 25, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The, vain means empty. The kings of the earth stood up, the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Does anybody know what uh, portion of the Bible they are quoting as they pray this prayer? Psalms what? Psalm 2, very good. You get a gold star in your forehead after church tonight. Let's go back to Psalm 2. I like to pray the scriptures. Psalm 2. We already read the part that they prayed. Um, can, can, uh, let's see, look at verse 3. This is the part that didn't pray. Let us break their bands asunder. This is what the world is saying about God. Uh, we don't want God in control of us. Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Look at this. He that sitteth in the heavens shall wring his hands in despair. Is that what your Bible says? Read verse 4 with me. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Someone has said, he who laughs last, laughs best. Um, God's not worried about any of this. The, the world's not going to win. You just understand that. Um, they, are, they are recognizing that God controls everything. Uh, God's, God's in, in, in uh, complete control. He says in verse, or they prayed in verse 27, for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together throughout the Middle Ages and all the way up through the Nazi empire. Jewish people were called Christ killers. Um, and yes, they did say crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. But you understand the Bible says they weren't alone in that. The Gentiles were in that. Herod was in that. He's an Edomite king over Israel. Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, uh, was all a part of that. Uh, but notice this. They're all, they're all condemning him to death. Uh, they're all saying crucify him. Uh, but it's verse 28. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Do you realize that when they were doing that that day, as wrong as it was, they were, they were doing what needed to be done in the mind of God. God knew that Jesus had to die on the cross or we would be lost. 
And these people who hated and did not know the God of the Bible were actually doing the will of God. The Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. Is anybody here distressed by some news headlines? It's, it's insane. Um, your Bible prophecy, I think it's all lining up. Russia's, Russia's on the move. China's on the move. It's all Bible prophecy, friend. Uh, how about pestilence? Didn't Jesus warn there's going to be pestilence? COVID-19, Delta, Omicron. What's the new Omicron called? Stealth Omicron. That sounds real. That sounds really cool. Stealth Omicron. And pretty soon it'll be Mario and then Luigi Omicron uh, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, earthquakes all over the place. How many read about that earthquake under, under the ocean off the coast of Tonga a couple of weeks ago? Uh, Matt sent a, 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 a cloud of ash and, and uh, stuff up into the atmosphere 13 and a half miles up from under the ocean. Uh, I watched several reports, scientific reports. There's what's known as the ring of fire. There's a string of volcanoes and, and uh, um, er, you know, earthquake faults uh, uh, around the Pacific Rim, including over on the west coast of the United States. And they said it's all about ready to blow. Jesus is coming soon, folks. None of this is taking God by surprise. I want you to understand, before, they, before they're asking God to do anything about what's happened to them, they are, they are making sure uh, that they're acknowledging that he's the creator and that he is in control. Their faith is fully intact. When our faith is intact, there's no place for whining about how unfair life is to me. When our faith is intact, revenge is not at the top of our list because our faith is looking at things differently. Time is running real short, but remember in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus sent his disciples into a certain city to prepare for him to come there and the men of the city refused to let him come in. How many remember that? They refused to let him come in. Two of his disciples, who were called the sons of thunder, what were their names? James and John, they were brothers. Um, I would really like to know what that means. I don't know if it meant that they just had deep, booming voices. I don't know if they had hair-trigger tempers. I don't know what it meant. They were just, uh, uh, the Lord called them the sons of thunder. James and John said, Lord, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and consume them like Elijah did? And the Savior said, ye know not what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man came not to destroy life, but to save it. See, when our faith is intact, we want what the Lord wants. So they have, they have demonstrated tremendous faith Verse 29, this is their prayer request in light of the threats. They've been thrown into prison unjustly. Uh, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Remember the early church, uh, God confirmed his word with signs and wonders that had already been going on. 
uh, since the day of Pentecost and so forth. But their, their, big, their big prayer request was, grant that with all boldness we may speak thy word. Help us not quit witnessing for Jesus just because we're under threat. It's never cost us anything until today. It's been smooth sailing. People are getting saved every day uh, on two occasions in the, th in the thousands of people getting saved. And now all of a sudden we're under threats by the very ones that crucified your son. They don't pray, God, get even with them. God, shove their face in the mud. God, help us be a bold witness. Help us be a bold witness. Um, that's what they cared about first and foremost. We keep talking tonight about the fact Jesus is coming soon. That means time's very, very short. Did you witness to anybody this week? Will you? How many have found, and I'm not, I'm not trying to put anybody in the spot, but how many have found that sometimes there are just seems some people, it's almost hard to witness to them, um, maybe family members, something like that, and you just, you just find it difficult. Is anybody like that? My hand is up. Okay, um, and there, there are just times when we just need the boldness to just go forward and share Christ with them. We're, we're often worried, by the way, notice they didn't say give us eloquence. Well, I'm not a good speaker. That's what Moses said. God said, don't worry about that. Who made man's mouth? Jeremiah said, I cannot speak. I am a child. God said, I'll put my words in your mouth. We all, we worry about that. They didn't ask for eloquence or anything. They just said, give us boldness. We know the message. We know what we're supposed to do. Lord, give us boldness to do it. And if there's anything we need right now, beloved, at this time, this amazing time in history we live, it's boldness not to tell people about our candidate, not to tell people about our political party or, or whatever. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. I wonder if we've talked more about Tom Brady retiring than we have about Jesus coming in the last couple days. I could care less. He wasn't a Pittsburgh Steeler, so who cares? What point is it? Uh, but isn't it amazing what we'll talk about and what we just don't? This is their heart. And notice verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. This is an incredible thing. You understand, God answered that prayer in a dramatic fashion. That tells me that their prayer request honored God. God was pleased with that. Again, as we study the book of Acts, we're finding out this is how the church functions. When the, when the threats and the problems came, they prayed, and we're going to see that happen over and over again. This is a marvelous passage of scripture. Marvelous. No whining, no angst, no desire for revenge. Get them, God. It's just, Lord, help me be a better witness. Help me be bold. Help me speak it the way that I ought to speak. Because these people just need to get saved.